welcome to Horror Bites on Sainsbury, the show where we highlight short indie horror games and the people who make them. I'm Neil Bolt, and joining me as ever is my friend from around the way, Jane Krieger. How's it going? Not bad. And for this week's episode, we're heading to two of my favourite places to be alone, the movie theatre and cemetery. In both cases, a nice bit of solitude is ruined by an outside force, though I'm glad to say, unlike real life, this time is not the police. So, Jay, let's head to the movie theatre first with your pick for the week. Yeah, as you said, my pick for the week is Movie Night, which was developed by Monty Monster Studios and is available on Itch.io. And in Movie Night, the player is trying to enjoy a night out at the movies after a long, stressful week, which, you know, is a premise that hopefully everyone can uh, relate to on uh, mm-hmm. some level. Um, but, of course, that idyllic night out of relaxation is ruined when you show up to the theater and there's a weirdo in the audience. <laughs> and uh, I think everybody's, you know, experienced that to some degree. Strange, uh, you know, folks that are in the theater along with you and whatnot, or just like people that won't shut the hell up or they're on their phones. Yeah. Um, but in this, you know, it is mo- very much just like going into this theater, you sit down and you're watching this kind of like, strange hodgepodge of images that are on the screen, which is cool because it's kind of like the clear limitations between, you know, not being able to use licensed footage, obviously. So there's like this home video that plays during it, but there's no real clear narrative or whatnot, which is kind of just an interesting sort of unsettling beginning to something other than, you know, the player is the only person that's in the movie theater. And then periodically you start to hear these weird noises and you are confined to your chair And you can look around the theater, but you very sparingly see things until you do see one other person. And of course, you look at them, you see them in the back row, you look back at the screen, you look back and they're gone, right? And so they're moving Mm -hmm. throughout the theater and whatnot. And this all culminates into them appearing behind you and asking you very matter-of-factly, while wearing a pig mask, I might add, uh, if you're interested in playing a game. And I'm not going to necessarily spoil what that game is, but... It results in a sort of chase sequence um, to round out the experience. But what I liked about this from the outset was the fact that it does a good sense of building the world of movie night. You start outside the theater and you walk through this environment that is far bigger than I was expecting for, again, one of these bite-sized experiences, right? Typically, they're very sort of claustrophobic, condensed and whatnot, whether that's a limitation from a development standpoint or – you know, a game jam, right? If you've only got 72 hours to make something, you want to make as intimate of an experience and locale as possible. And with movie night, it does a good job of building this monumental city for you to wander these empty streets through, which is creepy enough as a uh, beginning to an experience. You make it to the theater and then you have that, uh, you know, encounter, as I mentioned. And, you know, it's a fairly quick experience and there's not Hmm. necessarily a lot to it. But I would say that I think it does a good job, at least, of capturing the movie theater sort of setting of, you know, oh, all of a sudden, I'm the only person in this theater. Like, that couldn't be a more ideal setting for watching a movie, in my opinion. And then, of course, throw in that curveball of like, oh, not only is there one other person there, but of course, it's the weirdest, most deadly person imaginable. Um, (laughs) You know, I think the atmosphere is fine. I will say the one thing that I thought was slightly overbearing was this has a VHS filter on it where it has this tracking, you know, of the static and whatnot, and you hear the buzzing and whatnot, which, you know, 
anybody that's played a puppet combo or a experience similar to this that's kind of trying to evoke that VHS era, whether it's PSX aesthetic or otherwise. Here, I just found it to be a little overbearing. I thought that the static was almost interfering with my vision. The humming of it is a little too loud also because I was second guessing whether or not I was hearing the other person in the theater moving around or if it was just the static humming, which I didn't think did a good job of utilizing the aesthetic because it's the type of thing where I was like, well, that should be something that heightens the experience rather than distracting from what is going on in the environment or my perception of the environment, uh, so to speak. But I would say that it does a good job of kind of introducing that final chase element and doing so in a matter that is very instantaneous almost. It barely gives you enough time to really register what's about to happen and then trying to get a layout on the theater and finding something to be able to get out of there. Um, I thought did a good job of just kind of like instantly creating this situation that you have to sort of, you know, fight or flee and you only have the one option of fleeing. Um, So that was a good, I think, capitalizing on that setting capitalizing on the fact that you've just been kind of constrained to this chair for the majority of the experience. Then all of a sudden it's, you're running for your life while trying to navigate the environment. Um, and in that regard, I thought it did what it set out to do well enough. Yeah. Um, how did you find movie night? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, just before I started, I was going to say to you about that um, VHS sort of um, filter yeah, and your complaints with it. Would you say that it felt unnecessary for the game it is because it's a movie you're watching a movie on a movie screen not a home video and it's one of those instances where it felt like a, a grain maybe would have been fine yes. but i think going for long vhs was maybe a bit unnecessary yeah i totally agree i think for me what a, the vhs aesthetic or perspective has always added to those types of experiences where it has been successful again in those puppet combo games or torture star mm-hmm. ga- published games is the fact that you feel like you are in a snuff film because of the context of the environment and the killer that inevitably the game has been hinting at and yeah. the, inevitably the uh, filter is heightening that sort of vibe to the degree that you almost look like you're watching your own snuff film with yeah. this You're in the movie theater. So from the outset, it's not like this scuzzy sort of environment. It's a very grounded environment. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, you get chased, but it doesn't, the world itself does not feel indicative of needing that sort of filter. I agree with the grain side of things, but the sort of VHS tracking doesn't necessarily feel fitting, if you will, for this type of experience. Especially for being a first person experience as well. Right. I think that's where it feels a bit odd because you're not, viewing it through a camera mm-hmm. or anything like that. So again, it, it doesn't make any sense that it would be there. But I get why, you know, we, we've discussed this before, you know, with uh, many developers, you know, on it here that will latch onto certain trends and topics. And you can understand why, because it, it gets the hooks into people who are like interested in those things. You know, as you very much pointed out there, you know, puppet combos, repertoire, involves that but you know it has meaning behind it you know there's a reason why that is chosen here it does just feel like we put it in there to evoke a vibe you know get a vibe and didn't quite get there didn't quite feel like it was um part of the package which 
it's a small complaint, really, when you when you think yeah. in the grand scheme of things. But for the game itself, um, you know, the funny thing about this is there's a dream I had when I was a kid, right, that, that has stuck with me for all my life. I, I actually remember doing an article um, once about um, ghoulies, you know, you know, the film Ghoulies and the little preachers and that, and the little green one, you know, I had this recurring dream about him like stalking me in places like that and one of the, I escaped through my bedroom window out to the ether and ended up in a cinema you know like where I was sat protected safe and I was alone and the, uh, then <laughs> suddenly I see in front of me turns around in a little fucking jacket is that green fucking coolie there <laughs> like that and just the chase continued you know and yeah I think the fun story about that for me, as um, an experience was, all that was based on me seeing the front cover of fucking Ghoulies, not actually the movie. Mm. And I, I didn't see the movie until much later, and then it bored me. Yeah. So it's, like, it's just like, I love that. It's like all these childhood pent-up fears and aggressions caused by a single image, mm. and yet nothing in the film did anything other than cure me of that problem. Sure. <laughs> so, which is, is wonderful. But it was really cool to have a game that kind of tap back into that you know and really got that unsettling i mean in any walk of life where you have that solitude the worst thing that could happen is someone else not just like loads of people just one other person turning up and because you know that if you're the lone guy in there if you're not the weirdo they are you know and naturally we get that kind of weirdo um i suppose i like to if it would have been a bit more drawn out, maybe, you know, if we'd had a bit more of a a back and forth or a mm. bit more from than before it really kicked in. But at the same time, what you said about the immediacy of it, where it really just suddenly kicks in, you're like, oh shit, now we've got to get doing like that. And, um, you know, I am, um, after playing it, I was fascinated to see how, um, you know, because YouTube would love to cover small games like this, see how, a few others were like tackling it and there was a lot of um missing the key at the beginning you know mm-hmm. and um going through the door and it's like i think works as an instance of um really sort of putting you into that place of panic you yeah. know it's like why would you search for a key it'd be illogical you know, like that and like that um and you only really would find it if you went the wrong way as well which is funnier but yeah, I, I really like that thing of it where it just kind of taps into that dreamlike logic of the chase sequence, you know, that nightmares should be, where it's like it doesn't make perfect sense that you would be alone and this other guy would come in and you never saw anyone coming in and there's mm-hmm. a movie already playing. And then when you go out to the streets afterwards and you're running about and there's nothing there and just all of it is, you know. <laughs> Without being explicitly dreamlike, it is dreamlike. Yeah, it really does do that really well. And you know, as I have gone on about many times in, in horror White's history, I fucking love that stuff. You know, I, I think it's amazing when games really get that. You know, get that without trying hard to get there, and they just subtly get there. So I was really into that, and I could sort of forgive little shortcomings like that sort of um, VHS filter. 
I got to say that that element of, you know, the doors open and you don't see anybody come in and then the doors close, like that triggered a memory of mine where mm. we went to the movies one time and one of my buddies didn't tell us that he was going to be joining us. He told one person and he basically like crawled down our aisle while we were watching <laughs> the movie. And I was imagining like that's what that the killer essentially of this experience did. He crawled through the Amazing. back of it so you wouldn't see him. And it's like that was one of those things that made that so much more terrifying when he does appear, right? And you see that <laughs> head pop up or you just see him sitting there and it was like, oh, fuck. Like that is – and again, that's like drawing from my own personal experience. But I think that it's a testament to how this environment is crafted that you can actually like have that elicit those memories that, you know – are very anecdotal and from my background and, you know, your background, it sounds like. But I think that that is, again, a testament to just the world building that you're able to do with an experience that is so short because it's like yeah. a five five to ten minute at most experience. But I think that it at least makes the most of that time. Um, yeah. It has an ending that I think is akin to what you see in a lot of these other types of experiences. But I would say from a technical standpoint, again, it's pretty impressive the size of this world um, and you know, you don't have a great deal of freedom to explore it, but at the same time, just the fact that you get to move around freely within that environment, um, yeah. I think is pretty, pretty impressive. And this um, developer has, geez, I think they had seven experiences, seven uh, games on their page at this yeah. point. And uh, yeah, I wanted to check out some of their other stuff and definitely see, you know, if they were able to, um, you know, give that same level of attention to detail for other environments, but, you know, in the future as well. Yeah, I mean, capturing, you know, bottling an atmosphere basically in a five-minute period is pretty special. Yeah, oh, yeah. so many, so many of the great examples we've had on horror bites in this format before have had that in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. So yeah, it that almost negates endings that don't really do much for you. You know, and I think again, yeah, as you say, that that is often the case with these games that. The ending is not really the point because they are experiments, you know, that aren't really aiming for the ending. They're just trying to capture the ambiance of something. And that makes sense. That That is perfectly the way to go when, when you're making short games, I think, because that's the feeling most people will take away from it. The endings are the endings. Yeah. People fucking go on YouTube and do videos where they scream like little babies about <laughs> the same the same jump scare ending we've seen six billion times already and yeah it doesn't do anyone any favors you know we want to, it's all the stuff that comes before that's what we want we want that flavor and, and i think this is a game that really has that flavor you know in a way that is beneficial so now we've had that brisk walk away from the homicidal maniac of the movies i say we take a trip to the local cemetery where someone has inexplicably given us a job there's a lot more than just mowing the grass, digging holes, or indeed kicking out the ewes, getting high and shagging them on the tombstones. So we are heading to a job at the cemetery in graveyard duty by Farlock Josh. And again, this is on Itchio, um, free or purchasing for whatever map you seem fair. So, yeah, you are awake on a big headache in your room and see that you have a job application for the graveyard night guard that has been accepted and you need to start right away again that dream logic kind of kicking in where 
oh shit, you got the new job, now you have to start, even though in logical hours. And you go there with the sort of pondering vibe of like, did I ever really apply for this job? I know nothing of it. I had no instructions on it. And you very much learn on the fly when you get there with notes and whatever, with some very weird instructions about what to do with the grades and uh, what to do with your job. And busy work, if you will, in a very different sense. So the fun thing about graveyard duty is it taps into one of those things we've enjoyed very much on horror bites in the past, which is menial jobs and making them a bit weird and really getting to the nitty gritty of what can unsettle you in these kind of jobs. You know, we, we've seen many, many examples going back to security booth. Yeah, I think it was one of the first ones we really covered on Horror Bites that got that in a way that we were like, oh, yes, we like this. We like this as a, as a, a form of short-form horror. And, yeah, at most, this game takes about 30 minutes to play. as a couple of endings. Um, and it is very much about doing these menial tasks, but giving you weird stuff to see as you do it. Uh, so, yeah, you get this list of instructions early on, which <laughs> tell you with stuff like you know, if the graves are doing this, you know, if they're shaking you know, or vibrating, you know, you've got to put flour on them or whatever. And you know, there's a uh, sense to the letter you're given that it may not have been written by someone from the land of the living. And, uh, yeah, so you basically go around putting out some metaphysical fires, I suppose, around the place in, in terms of like uh, this is doing this so I've got to do this job and just remembering the brief instructions you've been given to sort of handle this place and you see the odd weird creepy thing happen as you do that and once again we get to an ending either way I think really where th there is some closure but it's a bit sudden and you know which comes from the short form experiences now, I liked the ending a bit more here than what we just described with Movie Night because at least it kind of gives you a better idea of like why the characters have suddenly been thrust into the situation and some yeah. sort of resolution as to why they ended up in the way they did. And gives a lovely little bit of mystery about this graveyard, you know, where it has this sort of underlying story that you're kind of intrigued by. You're like, well, why does this do this? Why does that do that? You're like, without ever really giving you too many of the details. It just sort of lays these things out. Those are, these are just things that happen. You will not know the answer to everything. Hmm. And I was very much here for that. I think, you know, as a game, it is very arbitrary, sort of do this, do that, in time to that. Um, there's a couple of problems in terms of like the text that comes up. I find where, you know, to sort of coax you into doing the next thing, it keeps playing even when you're supposed to be doing something else or if, like, one of the main instances comes up. But it doesn't really interrupt the way you play, I think. So I wasn't too bothered by that. But, you know, the atmosphere for this game really did wonders for me. And I think it really got that graveyard vibe and, without it being like your typical graveyard, you know, where it's like, oh, mist and spookiness and all this stuff. It just felt like a graveyard. And that was it. And um, it had this comforting 
quality that to in the isolation of where you're you are even as things start to go wrong and yeah it, it was it made those moments a bit more unsettling when they did happen i think there's some good audio work in here as well yeah. that really just pushes that forth and what initially appeared to be a very simple thing uh, yeah i think it had layers to it how did how did you end up feeling about this one i really enjoyed this this was Something that, you know, you mentioned it capitalizes on the mundane of a job, mm. which I think is a huge draw for both of us. But it's more about just the atmosphere that's crafted here. The fact that the actual acts that you're doing themselves still prescribe to that sort of mundane nature, right? And it's not something – it's yeah. not as if you're doing things that are actually out of commonplace with, you know, the roles of somebody that I assume would be uh, dealing with the graveyard. You're cleaning up. You're placing flowers, I suppose, on graves if you know there isn't something there. Granted, you would think that they are not typically shaking uh, to the degree that they are in real <laughs> life. Um, but you know, I liked that it presents the graveyard in a way that feels not overtly supernatural, but at the same time, it has strange occurrences that are mm-hmm. within it. Right, the construction or the layout of it itself feels very grounded, but then you have these moments of the supernatural nature to it. I really liked also the uh, fog and lighting of it. You know, the fog, I think, does a good job of masking not only, you know, the size of the environment, but it also does a good job of just atmosphere, this, you know, the spooky night, if you will. Um, And I thought that the flashlight was a good example of what you and I both appreciate about flashlights, that illuminate just enough that it helps you find your way without revealing everything which is you know commonplace is uh you know experiencing the opposite uh you know typically as soon as you find a flashlight all of a sudden you can see everything in the environment whereas with this it just illuminates barely enough so that way you don't get lost but it doesn't ruin the ambiance if you will of everything uh the sound design was really well done uh, you know, especially when later you can you have to place flowers on the graves when they begin shaking and you can track where the specific grave is just based off of the sound design, um, which was surprising. Again, you know, the the I suppose the layers to the sound design of it, not just being like, oh, that's a good recording. But more importantly, you can actually find specific locations based on mm-hmm. the direction you're facing. Um, I thought that that was well done. And at the same time, you know. It uh, when inevitably you hear somebody scream, you can actually trace the location of where the scream originated from, rather than just kind of aimlessly wandering uh, throughout the environment. But mm. I think more importantly, what does a good job early on of crafting this spooky story, and you mentioned it was the writing of some of the letters. Right, the first letter you get that basically says you've been accepted for this job. Like right away, the name of whoever sent it has been scratched out on the letter itself, which is a red flag right off the bat. But then when further you explore the um, graveyard cabin, if you will, or the shack that's like your hub, you find the instructions for what you're supposed to do. And there's one of them, one of the instructions says like, leave the radio playing, uh, we like, and then we is crossed out and it says they enjoy jazz. Like little things like that are great indications of a larger supernatural story being told without explicitly telling the player that's what's happening. Um, I think also the developer does a good job of kind of 
deviating from the normal trajectory, which is let's have 15 ghostly apparitions within the first five minutes of play. That is very <laughs> seldomly used and it's used in ways that are actually meaningful to the story, which gets you know revealed based on the endings that you unlock mm-hmm. um, and whatnot, which I thought was a smart way to go about something that could have very easily just been sort of like a jump scare fest, if you will. Um, I thought that the on-screen hints, I didn't have an issue with them necessarily. I thought it actually did a good job of not allowing the player to forget, obviously forget what their current objective is. Because sometimes I find with those experiences that have such a lack of handholding that if you kind of like get distracted by one thing, you can almost sometimes forget what you're doing. And it's like, oh shit, what am I supposed to be doing? So the fact that every... 10 seconds or so, you would get that reminder on screen. Um, Again, given the sort of limitations of unity and not being able to have, at least in this experience, not having some kind of like menu or anything like that, or an inventory that would keep you updated on what you're doing. um, I thought that that was something that did a good job of just keeping the player on track. Um, I only had one issue um, from a technical standpoint, which was I picked up a crowbar at one point and I used it on the wrong item. And it just disappeared. So then I had to restart. But it was such a minuscule moment because at the end of the day, that atmosphere and sound design is so good that I immediately just dove right back into it and kind of just was excited to see how this uh, how this bite sized horror experience wrapped up because this was definitely a standout, I think, for the month so far. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, had a good week of it this week. That's for sure. So, yeah, just to recap, that is Movie Night by Monty Monster Studios and Graveyard Duty by Farnot Josh. So, uh, we'll be back with more indie horror highlights next week. But in the meantime, if you are a developer of an indie horror game, demo, concept, or game jam entry, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Drop us a DM at SaferInPod on Twitter if you'd like to be highlighted or interviewed on the show. Or you can head to the DMs as Horrorbytes underscore sr on twitter if you'd like to be promoted there um you can also contact us at saferinpod at gmail.com so until next week uh keep it classy and uh keep seeking out those little bites of horror <laughs>